Welcome to Mayor Fennis, the official podcast of Great Lakes Stainless, episode 47. This is just Paul today. Both Mike and Travis are out. I know Travis is headed down to Florida for work. He's going to be visiting one of our customers and checking out the area, so I know he's looking forward to that. On this, this episode, we had Josh Stoltz with Grow Benzi back. He, on the last podcast, he told us he was going to be traveling to Africa to check out uh, the agricultural system down there and kind of see what he could learn and what he could bring back. And he uh, went to Mozambique, actually, which is, I think, the southeast uh, coast of Africa. Um, I think Madagascar is off the coast there. But um, we talk about that a little bit. We uh, talk about uh, what he learned, the differences in culture. He actually went on a safari and everything. So we talked a little bit about that. It was really, really a cool uh, episode. And uh, we love having him on. He's a real good guy. Um, we are actually, uh, we do have a couple of openings on our website. We are looking for a controller and we are also looking for a second shift laser operator. So if you're interested in either of those things, check out greatlakestainless.com, click on the career tabs and uh, go from there. I believe there is a place where you can submit your resume and of course, always come right in, um, and, uh, give us your resume, especially if you're a welder, always looking for good welders, but really looking for anybody who wants to work and be part of a good team. Um, if you don't have any welding experience, we usually start people on finishing and we'll teach you how to do that. So yeah, just come on by. Um, and while you're on the website, go to the, uh, the news tab and then, uh, the pop-up menu will show podcasts and check out every episode there. Uh, we're on Facebook or on Instagram and of course, always, always to help us out with the podcast and exposure, uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're pretty much on every platform. I'm not aware of a platform that we're not on, except if it's probably some, you know, some new one that hasn't been bought up by Spotify or um, Stitcher or whoever else. Um, and rate and review, uh, really important uh, to get us more exposure. So yeah, it's just going to be a short one, just me today. So here's episode 47 with Josh Stoltz. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, we got a, Mike's got a hard out at 11. This morning, some reason, a lot of meetings got scheduled for this morning. So. <laughs> All good. Yeah. Did you guys build this building? N- the office we did. Just the, the office portion. The other part had been here. Um, oh. I'm trying to remember. It was before I came here that GLS moved in. Um, but this office space is a couple of years old. So pretty new. Yeah, love it. Yeah, we really. It's got like that cool. <clears throat> You know, it's the new design where it's not right. Right, yeah. It's like you like the tripod kind of yeah design, and then the black ceiling. It's nice. It's not something just like yeah. You know, and I've I've heard that there's a lot to that, like a lot that goes into a good office design that you don't even realize what boosts your morale. And yeah, stuff, you know. Yeah, no so, doubt. So I think the last time we talked to you was August or September. And you were headed to Africa in November. Yeah. So how was that? I so know. sweet. Okay. Now where did you go? That was Mozambique. Okay. So is that and Maputo is Southeast? the capital city. Yeah. So okay. go down. If you remember where Madagascar is, it's yeah. off that south southeast corner. Okay. And uh, Mozambique is right across from there, and then basically South Africa is that whole bottom, then kind of comes up in the in the middle. Okay. Yeah, so I had to I had to acquaint myself with African geography. Sure, because it's you know it's not something you think about. No, for sure. Not after uh, middle man. school. Hey, yeah, I can see you. I see it. After uh, <clears throat> middle school, colored pencils and <laughs> you know remember those days? Oh yeah, yeah. Fill in the states and the capitals. Yeah. Africa, what? Yeah. And especially like Europe, there's so many new countries. Yeah. I don't keep up with that stuff. Right, yeah, and they're real small. Yeah, so Mozambique was, there's like the Z in it, and, you know, just yeah. kind of, what's, where is that? Right, and so you went, uh, from what I remember, it was basically to kind of uh, see what you could learn regarding uh, agricultural practices, yeah. is that right? Okay. Good memory, All yeah, right. so, Good. <laughs> that was uh, the, 
the uh, Mandela Washington Fellowship That's was right. the award that I received. So that was for an exchange, <clears throat> reciprocal exchange. The gal that came up here from Maputo, Mozambique, uh, two years ago was the original um, Mandela Fellow studying the food systems up here and seeing where there's some parallels in the in food, the, the value chain. Okay. And so I went down there just for a couple weeks to well, kind of see where they were as a private organization doing networking and connecting pieces of the, the chain and see how that might be applicable here to northern Michigan and kind of some of the food work that we're doing with Grow Benzene. Okay. So what was uh, what are some of the parallels then? Because I mean, I, to, I don't know a whole lot about Mozambique as far as climate or yeah. geography. So it's like I'm guessing it's pretty far removed from this area. Not as much as you okay. think. So what do you think of when you think of the food value chain? Both you guys. What's, what comes to mind? Food. Fire, family fair. <laughs> <laughs> Convenience. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly. No, sure. I mean, that, that is what it is around here. Is that Nobody here, well... I mean, the value chain, I, I guess it's Aldi. Uh, so. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, like, I think while there's a lot of food insecure people, more than people think, you know, for folks like us, we're used to, I need something, it's down the street. Sure. You know, and I imagine it's, that's probably quite different in that area. No, it is the same, but there's different <laughs> values. So hearing, you know, the value... Aldi would be the value. Now we're now we're looking at the value. It's the dollars for the food. Okay. You know, how much we're paying for the food. But in terms of the, the value chain, we go back. We can go all the way to where the seed comes from. Okay. So are you guys familiar with Monsanto and yeah. uh, genetically modified food and sure. the science that goes into figuring out better seeds for climate? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? So that's, that's part of the, <clears throat> the food chain, starting with the seed. There's a there's money in seeds, sure. Okay, but there's if you look at it with money, that's different than if you look at it with value. Okay. All right. So, did you guys grow up with any grandmas or grandpas that had a garden, or do you guys have a garden? I think yeah. we talked about this. You yeah, guys don't my, have your own gardens, but my folks did, and my dad does now. Um, so yeah, we did have small gardens, nothing commercial. It was just for yeah. our personal use. So, Same but in terms of a, a seed. Do you remember where he got the seeds from or where did your dad gets the seeds from now? The store. Yeah. Yeah. Like tractor supply. Yeah, or sure. Coal. Menards. Well, that was when we did the big gardening that I remember. <coughs> that was up in the UP a long time, so we got them at the, at the co-op or the farm feed store or something. Yep. Farm. Okay. And this was your family? Who was yeah, there? yeah. Family, my mom and dad. You know, we lived in Rudyard mm-hmm. up there, so and I remember they went and it wasn't like in our backyard. We, I remember driving somewhere, and you know they had a bunch of rows and field that somewhere. Oh, that so your garden wasn't, wasn't our garden, garden wasn't our like they planted some rows in a big garden that sure. I don't know like a community garden. It was a pastor of a church, so maybe it was somebody's like, hey, can I plant some rows? Or, okay. Yeah, sure. I don't want to go to hell. I have a duty to. I have a duty. Yeah. Now, was that for food for yourselves? Yeah, yeah, just yep, carrots, beans. Interesting. Um, The rhubarb is around the house. I still love rhubarb jam and cherry rhubarb pie. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, so you got memories of canning? Oh yeah, my mom would can or freezing or both. Yeah, that stuff. And then we had pears in our yard when we moved here. I had so many freaking pears. I hate pears. Thank you. I do too. And I'm like, you're the only other person I know that doesn't like pears. I can't I say I don't like pears. We get them year round because we had. <laughs> I mean, you would can them and you go to like open the pantry, just like just pears. endless jars of pears, pears. man. We just keep coming out with pears. I don't every... get it. It's just that. What don't... are we having for dinner? Well, we're having spaghetti and pears. <laughs> oh. I was the same. We had pears in the pantry. Okay. And peaches, and it was mm. and it wasn't like the a canned peach now with its real sugary and syrupy. No. It was good. I mean, yeah, I yeah. loved eating the pears yeah. and the peaches, but. You know, when we didn't have a ton of food, it was pears and dehydrated apricots. Okay. That's just what I remember. Sure. And dehydrated apples. There was, my, my folks had started this homestead, so they had this big garden, mm-hmm. and they preserved foods in the root cellar and, and the freezer. And pears, we have two pear trees right now. I, I don't go out there and just grab a pear yeah. and eat it. No. I do more. We've done some cider with pears and press the, oh, the pears. Okay. But, 
Yeah, not a number one oh, memory. Great. All right. Yeah. So we got company. three, you know, we're all <laughs> on the same boat here. Uh, everyone I know loves them. My wife loves them, the kids. And I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't, I just, it doesn't taste like anything to me. I don't know. Anyway. So, so <laughs> talking about gardens and, you know, where the seeds come mm-hmm. from, there's a value in the seed. So if we were to talk to a, a grandma or a grandpa who was really into their gardens, they probably would save those best seeds. Now, fruit trees are different from, say, a tomato, but if you find a, a great a great example are tomatoes, like in, you hear heirloom tomatoes, yeah. or a squash. Squash is a great example of having strong seeds. This is also considered like a heritage seed. So a squash, the great thing about squash and these root vegetables are they, they sit on a shelf or sit in the root cellar for months. And you can still pull them out and eat them, and they're good. Now, if you have two squash sitting on the shelf, come we, we actually had one at Grow Benzie that was good up till about a, a three weeks ago, four weeks ago. So if that squash is sitting there on the counter and we say, that's a good squash, let's save those seeds because the squash, squash next to it is rotten, uh. there's an advantage, there's a value to that. So in taking, taking the word value, take the money part out of it, okay. the value is the, the shelf life. Or if you're a chef, flavor, or how it looks. Oh, okay. You know, so like an heirloom tomato. There's all these sweet-looking heirloom tomatoes that, you know, you got this, the the mortgage, uh, what do they call them, the mortgage maker one. Okay. And then there's the, you know, it's like a pineapple express. Yeah. yeah. Whatever the the names are, it's you know you remember that one right. because of the size. Okay. You know, so maybe this one's good for sandwiches, so it's got nice cuts for your, you know, slicing versus, you know, this one is the the purple tiger, which looks more, uh, it, it's it's better for presentation on a salad. Okay. So that's the one. Oh, we'll grab those, keep those seeds, and then just come up with the best genetic version of that. That'd be a heritage seed. So there's a ton of value in that seed. Yeah. And then the the GMO, the genetically modified, is more people are in a laboratory. Mm-hmm doing the same thing but there's more we're doing more kind of a genetic changes and, yeah, and for connections like climate and pest resistance and stuff like that yeah yep exactly so if you gotta if and, and they're they're matching up with their products and that's where the big the big rub comes from is they they're gonna match it with a product that can kill kill a bug yeah. but keep the you know keep it growing rather than well we spray this thing on here and everything dies right. so that's where the the rub is because there's not a lot of uh, testing on the long-term effects of that sort of uh, scientific process mm-hmm. but go to Mozambique and there there's a value in the seeds and that's climate you know okay. so they're looking at climate and bug resistant resistance uh, but 20 let's see I was Think about how old I am, what year I was born. I was born in 76. Mm-hmm. I go to the year, you know, 2020. It was like 25 years ago? No, that's 40 years ago. <laughs> right? Yeah. So they had, they, and I say that because they were uh, decolonized in 1975. Okay. Right, so 40 years ago, they were under Portuguese um, rule. Mm-hmm. And so there was this big transition to them being their own, you know, their own country, their own leadership. So they're still figuring out that economy. Okay. And so you go there, and what I witnessed was a ton of people who would take the food from the farm and then sell it, and they were entrepreneurs. Okay. So you take, uh, let's say, uh, this one cooperative I went to, 25 women working together in the same, I think they had maybe 10, 20 acres. They're all saving money for their families to go to school, and they share the work, just like a classic cooperative. Um, it could be the same way with your, you know, the the, the church farm or if yeah, right. any cooperative farm, or six, or, so, you know, <laughs> whatever the the cooperative is, it's somebody's doing that, somebody's doing that. We're doing it together to make some money and cover the bills. So they they grow their food. Paul shows up, buys fifty pounds of carrots. They get paid that fifth, whatever that fifty pounds is worth, and then as soon as you walk past that farm gate. You're an entrepreneur, and it's up to you to move that product. Okay. Pretty simple, but now the farmers are entrepreneurs versus them being responsible for getting it to market. You're going to be more responsible for getting that food to market. Okay. Okay, so now there's all these people that show up at the farm gate, buy the food, and then the neat thing is I could witness the, the value chain. And so now 
we've got uh, Trav shows up with his truck mm-hmm. and says, I can give 10 of you a ride into the, to the village, but it's a buck a piece. Uh, so now he's an entrepreneur because he's transportation. Gotcha. Right? So now the transportation makes some money, and then that farmer's market on the corner where there's a lot of different pop-up shops, they might get a buck to have that space because they know there's people coming in. And then talking about convenience back to, well, where's the value, where's uh, the food chain? We think of Meyer, Aldi, you know, Shop and Save, right. or whatever the, the place is. That's the convenience piece. So in Mozambique, if you're talking dollars, you're going to pay the premium you know, where the dollars have went into, any value chain, even, you know, with your, your guys' line of work, it's the same thing. You're looking at where there's a value for someone to put their efforts into it and then what we're paying in return. So I went to a convenience store, lots of convenience stores, and they look just like our convenience stores. Okay. It's just you walk in, there's shelves, here's the freezer section, here's the cooler section, and they grow a ton of food there in Mozambique. Their climate matches. It's similar to, say, a... a California, oh, you know, lower. Really good. There's a ton of ton of diversity. Central Valley, type Central Valley. There's tomatoes. There's peppers. There's all sorts of greens. Yeah. What's what was similar was Mozambique is to South Africa, as Michigan is to California. So we we're up here in this the oh. zone. So we don't have year round food. So we have to bring food in from California sure. or Florida or even Mexico yeah. or South America. They're bringing food in because Mozambique doesn't have the infrastructure that South Africa does. They're bringing food in from South Africa. Okay. So the movement now is recognizing the impact of the economy locally, just like we do, more and more. We're getting more exposed, and I think we talked about this in the last episode 39, where we there's money at the farmer's market. If I pay Farmer Paul for his tomatoes... 95% of that's going back into the local economy. Yes. Right? So we recognize the value chain of how much you can put back into the local economy by supporting a local farmer. They're recognizing that impact in uh, Maputo and the greater Maputo province in sure. Mozambique versus bringing in food that's grown in Maputo or Mozambique. It's grown in South Africa, but why pay for that extra it's already yeah. because there's it's large ag. It's, there's logistics already set up, so they're they're in this kind of cool place where they can plan their future by looking at some of the mistakes we've made. In the oh, past. That's I think that's so super important. Is that I know um, people will take a system or an institution um, from somewhere else and like instantly have a thumbs up or thumbs down opinion on it, and it's like you know there's good and bad thing to most programs or institutions and it's like if you're looking at adopting a program it makes so much sense to do that it's like you know keep what works get rid of what doesn't and right. then and then you know let someone else make the mistakes for you basically absolutely that the thing that they can learn from too is knowing where those dollars influence the chain mm. so now there's oil and gas money coming into the system which is great for government and for local municipalities and just having more you know, abundance in terms of wealth, but how much they can influence where that wealth ends up in the economy is going to be important because we know from our experience when there's big industry, go back in the day where there's coal or oil, Rockefeller or Carnegie, those guys, well, they just had a ton of money. So that's where nonprofits came from because well, we got to give back to the people that were under yeah. underpaying. <laughs> yeah, you got to close that loop. Yeah, that could be the same opportunity for them to recognize. Well, we know there's money coming in, but where's it going to end up, and how much are we paying a farmer? You know, is it is it a fair uh, a fair trade or fair value on their work? Right. Now, you know, bringing um, bringing food from out of the country. I heard or read somewhere that you were talking about. Ninety-five percent of it, if you go to a farmer's market, goes back to the local economy. But if you get something like at Myers, it's from you know a navel orange from Mexico right now. Yep. It's like isn't it only like ten percent gets infused of that price goes to the local economy. So it's this massive. It's not just like you know shop local. It makes a difference. It's like it makes all the difference. Exactly. It's a massive difference. And those are giant systems in place like uh, transportation. We're talking 
barges that they're filling. Mm. So if we start poking that big bear and say, well, we don't want Mm -hmm. South American oranges, we want Florida oranges or California oranges, Mm -hmm. well, there is half, I'm making this number up, but if half of that giant barge coming from South America is empty, Mm -hmm. well, that affects somebody. Sure. So who's, you know, who, where, where's that balance coming in where gotcha. the wealth is being pumped in for the, the fuel for the barge, yeah. you know, now we're talking some really big, um, you know, some big players that don't, oh, yeah. you know, they don't want to lose that, <laughs> yeah. that piece. Yeah, that's true. And that's uh, another aspect of that too is the, um, yeah, we're talking about, if you're talking about on a national scale, especially for the U.S., you're talking about some pretty huge volumes, so it's not like mm-hmm. you can flip a switch. I mean, they've got these, there's a reason, there's a ton of inertia in an established distribution network sure. that has that, which is what caused the tremendous trouble um, agriculturally for us when they shut down that China thing, and for China, quite frankly, because yeah. they, I mean, we were providing a tremendous amount of soybeans. Oh, yeah, the soybean thing, yeah. And so just flipping a switch, first of all, it's really, they, you know, it's not like somebody else had that volume of soybeans right. that they, you know, right. were just waiting for this to happen. Right. But that inertia is what is really harmful about things like that because once they establish the alternate things, I mean, it's like, you know, once the river's rerouted, it's hard to get it back on its original course. Yeah. You know, so. Um, and, and where is the solution, you know, a year or two down the road, or are they looking five or 10 or 20 years? So cherries are a great example where right. every time there's a cherry harvest, there's a big hubbub about dumping cherries and what the value is to shake the cherries. And yeah. We're starting to recognize locally how the cherry industry is impacted by that inertia. Of course, somebody, there's other countries that grow cherries, and of course they want to move them internationally. And so yeah, we turkey. have... I was just going to say, yeah, turkey. That, was, that was a big deal last mm-hmm. past couple of years, I think, wasn't it? Wasn't well, just now, they, and then they, yeah, they got the... They didn't get a favorable ruling, so Turkey's still dumping them. So apparently it's not all done yet. They're waiting for the justification to come out. But. Yes, it's not all done yet. But what it's doing is raising awareness for even us. Let's talk about the Cherry Festival. What time of year is it? Yeah. If you talk to any cherry farmer, um, they're going to say, well, why is it during 4th of July? Because yeah. our cherries are not ready. ready. Yeah. So, you know, there's uh, some politics yeah. there, and yeah. there's some realities that we've all had to just be educated on. Tourism and, dollars. You know, what is the sentimentality or what is the historical value of Fourth of July Cherry Festival yeah. versus we want to move all of our cherries during the cherry season. It's the same reason why if you go to South Benzie and there's these apple farmers that are producing large amounts of, of apples, they can't just flip a switch to say, well, we want to have all these apples go to... Uh, Benzie Central or Frankfurt schools or TBAISD schools, it's not that easy. You know, they can't just come out with a couple uh, bushel baskets of apples for the day. You know, they've got a system in place. It's that river, like you're saying, that Mm -hmm. the inertia's uh, going this, the momentum's going this way. They're putting in big boxes, sending them on trucks downstate to be processed, and then off they go into the value chain. It's going to take a big wheel and a lot of communication to say, let's have those apples stay locally. Yeah. Right. Because those, those apples, I mean, you know, the way things work in the school system, they've got an agreement with a food distributor. Mm-hmm. Contract. Set. Contract. Yeah, they've got a contract. I mean, and that's not, that's not a bad, that's the way the world works. I mean, Need you know, yeah. you can have a contract, but if you got a contract with, you know, if the they got a, you know, with uh, Cisco, and Cisco provides all their food, but the farm right next door to the school is selling to uh, Gordon's, and they're the ones that distribute the apples. Well, guess what? You're not going to be able to get Cisco to deliver the apples that are grown right next door to the school right. because they're not, you know, Cisco's the grower store. has a contract with, with a different Gordon's, distributor yeah. than the one that's serving the school. It's a different, totally different and That food. is a yeah. pretty, I mean, it, so that's how you have a pretty high hurdle between uh, an apple grown on a tree on the border of the school that you can't get in the school, school. lunch. Yeah, totally you got to get one from Washington because that's where Cisco has contract with their growers. Yeah. That's right. So logistics, so they've set it up. You yeah. know, Cisco yeah. and Gordon was at the head of the game years ago. Why? Why would there? How could there be more competition to come in for logistics when he needs to scale it up and have that? Yeah. You know, that amount that's going to make it worth me going out and picking up the apples and delivering them. Yeah. Cherry Capital Foods is figuring that out. You know, on a statewide level but uh, it's not easy they're based no. out of traverse city and 
you know, <clears throat> what do you consider local? Now we're talking definitions. Is it <laughs> county? Is it 100 miles? Is it the state? Yeah. Well, there are no bananas growing in Michigan. Right. So where do we get bananas or, right. or oranges or, you know? There, actually, there are some varieties of bananas that are suitable for Zone 6, which is what parts of Michigan has. I love it. You know, it's not the dominant one, the Cavendish. But um, it's feasible that that's in a, a greenhouse. That's a dead banana walking anyway. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> avocados is the other one. When can I get my local avocados? Well, they do grow them, but you've got to yeah, be dedicated. And, and my, my, my grandpa used he had an avocado. He lived in California, but yeah. man, he had those things grew on some steep hills. He had a big steep oh, hill yeah. irrigated. He had so he grew. He had quite a few avocados that he grew. He had Orange Grove. Pine Love Grove, it. Yep. Cool. Um, pineapples, not pineapples. Grapefruit. Ah, That's what I'm trying to think of. Sure. So well, my dad, he grew up in Cyprus, and he said in his yard alone they had um, lemon trees, mandarin, uh, like the, the the citrus fruit, which is like the parent fruit to the current citrus, um, a few other ones he said, but yeah, and just the yard was full of them, and you bring a man, you pluck a mandarin off and open it in the, or cut it open in the house, and the whole house smelled like it. Yeah. Like, fond memories of that. And, um, I yeah, have, I mean, this I have pears. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Was> that? I <laughs> smell <laughs> pears. I smell oh. pears. I'm not eating it. That's what we're having. Not eating it. Yeah. Oh, funny. So, have you um, talking about the value the value chain? Obviously, here we're really uh, money focused. I mean, just from Mike and my answers alone, that was the first thing we went to was you know the convenience of the store right there. Have you found that, in, or did you find in Mozambique that the idea of value is more separated from money than it is here, that it is the taste, the flavor, the longevity of the, the food? Is that what they're focusing on there as opposed to money? Interesting. No, that's a great question, though, because they have enough food. Okay. You know, when we talk about food security here, there's a lot of people that go hungry. There, there's food everywhere. So that when you walk away with that 50 pounds worth of greens, if you don't sell it that day, you usually end up having it in for your own food or family within your, you know, your community. Okay. So now there's not a ton of food waste. So we look Good. here and we go, how a third, and this is a this is a hard number, a third of our food is wasted in the United States. I find that low. With whether it be in the trash or yeah. you know the, you know uh, the dumpsters out behind a, a shopping store, yeah. we just we've got our rules and safety and. I wrote my kids don't eat when I buy it for them at a restaurant. Oh, <laughs> tell me about it. We're gonna take that home if you don't yeah, finish it. Yeah, it's leftovers. Well, we're not. You're yeah. not leaving the table until no, you finish that. Yeah. That's what I. You're having that for snack tonight. Okay. Yeah. You have a peanut butter sandwich. You have your leftovers. Yeah. I don't want them. No, done. So now yeah. I'm and even me growing up with you know some healthy food and these mm-hmm. different options. Then scarcity. You know, we grew up where we didn't have some food at certain times in my life. So it was always eat all your food and then now eat as much as you can because we don't know when it's going to come again. Sure. You know, that is totally different than it is down there. They have food. You know, there's all this, you know, abundance of food. But for, for us, now we have food addictions and food, these food, uh, strange food eating habits. And, okay. And down there, I didn't get too much into the health uh, pieces of the food. But there is, there's a lot of food for them to eat. So they're not looking at, they're looking at more of how do we refrigerate or how oh, do we how do we preservation? How do we keep the food around and okay. the convenience? So going back to that question, where the top ten percent will go to the the grocery store for most things, while most people just pick it up at their usual market or their usual person. Gotcha. So the value in terms of dollars is how do how am I making money from this food? They're not thinking about the nutrition value. Ah. You know, so there's some some restaurants where you walk in and the chef. Is a lot of a lot of seafood. I ate oh, a lot yeah. of a lot of prawns, a lot of fish coming out of the ocean. But there's not around, you know, similar to up here. There's food that the chefs are saying this is local or this is organic or this is ABC, and they're making it real pretty. That's down there a little bit, but there's not a, there's not kids looking to become chefs down there. Okay. You know, there's not there's no kids looking uh, to be, you know, the next. Guy fear or whatever, but you know the the thing is, right. yeah. they're looking more about how do I plug into the system and maybe figure out refrigeration. 
So we, okay. I spoke at a couple different universities and asking questions. You know, where, you know, where are these university students looking to plug in to agribusiness? And it's a lot of it's logistics. A lot of them want to work outside. I did the same thing with schools around here and ask high schoolers or elementary kids, where do you see yourself? You know, do you want to work outside or inside? Everybody wants to work outside. Do you want to be a farmer? Well, not so much. That's what grandma and grandpa did. And then now with the Im- image of being big ag and driving big tractors, mm-hmm. not so much. But boy, that people love to ma- make it back to working with their hands. And yeah. it just, you know, how much money can I make if I'm starving? If I can't afford a place, which around here is the issue, I can yeah. I can have food, but I don't have housing. Where's the the balance? So really different the way they've they even use the word value for food versus how we consider it. So it sounds like you know with that abundance of food, the real hurdle at this point is the distribution of it. Yeah. Okay. Which is what this company that she's uh, she's a partner with, Binzu, B I N Z U. I I know you can Google it. She's part of these major. Uh, it's like the USDA of Mozambique. She's the vice chair trying to figure out how to figure out these supply <clears throat> chains. So they were, China is very interested in all this land and fertile soil that they have. Russia is investing in Mozambique. Um, so they're trying to figure out how to balance the local needs and the supply chains and refrigeration you know, with big money coming in. Yeah. And is it going to be just a new Cisco? Or is it going to be distributed between multiple organizations? It makes sense to have a Cisco. But if you were to come here and sit around here and go, do we need a Cisco? Yeah, we need a Cisco, but is that is it supplying local fresh right. food or is, is it, it just frozen food coming in from downstate? Yeah, is it going to benefit locals or is it going to benefit Cisco? Long term. Yeah. So we're going back to that first <clears throat> point of, you know, are we looking two years into this or are we looking five, ten 20 years right. into this. So they have a great opportunity there with this whole decolonization and development of the economy. They can they can kind of kind of guide it where learn from our mistakes and make make their own. So even though they have an abundance of food, there's still food insecurity issues there. Or not as much as Not like ours. Have. Not oh. like ours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's just a lot of there's a lot of food. So as I walk down I walk down the sidewalk, not only is a guy coming up with this armful of uh, iPhone charger cords. <laughs> That's his jam. Sure. So he bought, he put his 20 bucks into that, and he's going to try to make his 20 back to go buy more. Mm-hmm. The sidewalk is full of food. Mm. And one person is selling their mangoes. One person is selling their peppers. And so there's just, there's a lot of food around. But they're okay. not, you're not walking into a, a restaurant finding, um, asking where the, the chicken was raised. Right. <laughs> I did see that Portlandia episode. Good, oh, yeah. I did see that. Yeah. Where they the, the chicken and they go to the farm yes. and they end up joining a cult. And yes. so, that was so funny. Is it organic? Yeah. Is, is it field? Is it, you know, cage-free? What's his name? Yeah, they had the file on him and the history and the, the bio. <laughs> so funny. That was so good. So what was the prep like before you went? You know, I've heard there's a lot of, like a lot of shots, a lot of stuff. Is, is that what you found? Yeah, there? yeah. I had to go to the, the, the place up in Travers. I've got a couple pills, got a couple shots. A lot of things they said be careful of, like don't, you got to watch the water. You got to make sure if you are eating fruits or vegetables, you're not eating the peels or it's peeled. Um it's required in order to get the visa before you land. So there, I could get the visa when I was at the airport. Other places like the the Russia trip, I had to have the visa in advance before I before okay. I went. Okay. So that was it. It wasn't tough, but it, you know, it did take some time out of the day. And and also, I watched a ton of YouTube videos. And, mm-hmm. You know, just kind of doing my own research on the side to figure out what's what. Yeah. What was one of the most surprising things that you didn't expect? Oh boy, surprising! Like I mean, I think we all yeah. have our preconceived notions of different places in the world from just what we've seen on on TV or whatever like that. So was there something that really surprised me out there? Like, oh man, this is not like I thought it was going to be. I think the fact that they're they're so advanced, so oh, developed. Sure. You know, so my preconceptions of any country, whether it be Russia or Australia or China. You know, I, I just have these visions, and it's mostly media. 
Yeah. You know, I, I didn't well, yeah, learn I mean, about in school. It's what I see on TV, yeah. ABC. So when I think of Africa, I think of, you know, kind of bush. Yeah, the dark know, continent is the what dark we're all, continent. That's what we're all taught. And, and I land, and I get picked up in a four-door Toyota with air conditioning, and mm-hmm. I go stay at this really sweet hotel that... Um, I eat downstairs just like any hotel I stay with in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, got my big screen TV and my big bed, and you know you couldn't tell that you know from any other place. There's BMWs and Land Rovers driving around on the streets, and it, that that was I think probably the probably the biggest surprise was it's it's so well developed versus what I had in my mind. Mm-hmm. Now the other part was it's also underdeveloped. Even more so than, say, the rural areas of, you know, Michigan or the United States. So we would drive from downtown Maputo out to these farms, and you could see where there's less money, just like here. So, you know, we go out and go out to the hills. You know, I think of going out to Tennessee, where now you're in the backwoods. It's the same thing. It's like going to the UP. Yeah. There are are families that move to the UP, so Paul doesn't know where they are. Yeah. They got their 40 acres, and you drive a mile down their driveway in the woods, and that's the way they want it. Sure. So there's no judgment on how, I'm not going to go mark down on a list, well, you don't have this insulation, or, <laughs> right. you know, there's no, they're, they're trying to get away from the regulations, or, yeah. you know, their, their, their liberty is what they take, take pride in. Sure. In uh, Maputo, as we drive out, they, you can see the houses change. So here, we look at one house that has... Uh, cinder block walls, cinder block for the house. It's painted, it's got the stucco, and that's painted a different color. Then a little bit further out, it's not painted. Then there's no walls. You get further out, now there's no windows. You get further out, now there's no doors. Now there's no roof. Oh, now it's just grass huts. They're still out sweeping, though. They're sweeping yeah. the leaves, and that's their space that they take pride in. Um, it was just interesting because, you know, you drive two, three hours out of the city, and they still have their cell phones. Mm-hmm. Everybody's connected by cell phones, which is interesting. Hmm. Because that helps the market. And just to, to talk about the, the, the food part again, when the farmers are selling their, their greens to the person who's going to go sell them, they know what the market price is in town. Okay. Faster than sure. You know, five ten years ago, where they're just saying, "Okay, Paul shows up, and okay, I'll give you ten bucks." We're like, "Well, boy, we got to move it, so here's ten bucks." Yeah. We know that you can sell it for twenty <coughs> bucks down there, so we're going to sell it to you for fifteen. There you go. So it was interesting to see uh, uh, see yeah. the cell phones. And the other part is their their AT and T, their cell phone company, spends a lot of money for branding, and they'll come out and paint your your building or your house or your hut. Um, their colors and brand it. No kidding. Them. Yeah. So mm. we drive through these towns and these the, the businesses along the street that were the bars or the restaurants or whatever it was is all just branded. Imagine just red. It was red and white. I don't know. The, can't remember the name of it, but hmm. it was a lot of red and white That's saying Moto Tal. Yeah. Which was interesting. So they're spending money on being the prime Prime carrier. I heard that Africa essentially, as a continent, basically skipped the landline, uh-huh. you know, because they were, um, they really didn't have any kind of communications infrastructure. And then when cell phones came along, it ended up being way cheaper to just erect a tower than to run all these lines everywhere. So I see that. Totally yeah, skipped it, and now yeah, they're like the most mobile connected continent on the planet. And do they use their? Uh, don't they use phones too for payment? Do mobile yes. payments and, and things? Which Everything, is, yeah. yeah. And really, you know. So that was surprising too. I think uh, to understand how developed they were and then also see how many people are connected. So they're we're out in the, the boonies and here they are on their cell phones. Sure. Same thing. That's so interesting. Yeah. So how did you find the culture in general over there as far as differences between our culture over here? Well, it really showed, you know, me... I felt really privileged, you know, not only to be selected and, and be in my white, white privilege mm-hmm. power, but to be, you know, landing in this, this space that I'm the outsider. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really hide because I'm a, a big white dude, <laughs> you know, so there's yeah. no, there's no disguising that yeah, fact. Yeah, snowman in the summer. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I'd walk down the street and, 
you know, it's, hey, buddy, hey, mister, come on over and, and look at this, and no thank you, and I tried to keep my head down if I wasn't in the, the shopping mood. But then that energy went with me down the street because mm. I can hear the buzz, as, as, you know, as I'm walking down the street. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's interesting to be out of place. Even, you know, I had a layover in Portugal. Even just being light-skinned there, I felt, you know, kind of blending in. You know, but there in Mozambique, no, pretty. I stuck out quite a bit. Sure. I think there's and a, and the language, the language barrier. That's all Portuguese, and yeah. it's not like I speak Portuguese, huh? It's not like going to Mexico where you're yeah, on vacation. Right. And I can get by with a little habla yeah. español. Yeah, no, it's Don't Portuguese. Down, yo. <laughs> yeah, right. No cerveza. And I didn't. I didn't take the time to. To dig into the language, I understood a couple things. Yeah. They they gave me a couple pointers on yeah. some ways I could build a quick relationship, like like a local hello. Can't remember what it is now, but to get a chuckle out of a local by saying hello is a good in ah, versus gotcha. I'm coming in. And I also felt that you know going back to that white privilege and understanding that we are you know we've been the the, the colonists and we came in yeah. and wiped out there. Yep. You know their tribes and their people, and enslaved and did all this. You know, like there's that underlying shame of and, and guilt. You know, yeah. I'm I'm sorry for sure. I can't explain <laughs> yeah, right. that to you. I'm you know, and and there's still work that I'm doing on as a white man with privilege. But you know, I'm I'm here, yeah. and and I can see where working on it. Yeah. yeah, there's no way to explain that to the to the waiter that's uh, you know bringing me food. Yeah. I, the other the, the other advantage I had too was having Marcia be there to guide. You know, she was my guide, so oh, she yeah. dropped me off at the hotel. Yeah. They spoke a little English there, so I never felt totally on an island. But mm-hmm. I would never go there on my own without someone being at least a, a, a balancing board there. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. Just you said they were decolonized forty years ago, so the memories are still fresh in a lot of people's minds. It's in their DNA. It's and, in the blood there. Yeah, and we can even see it here. You know, yeah. still 100 years later, 200. You know, and because yeah. I just actually saw down in, I don't know where it is, Saline, Michigan, there was a um, there was a, a school board meeting. Uh, there was a bullying issue going on, uh, and there was um, a, a Mexican father standing up to speak, and he's saying like, "Look, it's like I have to watch my kid cry every night before he goes to bed because of how he's treated at this school." And Another parent, I don't know if it was a parent of one of the kids that was doing the bullying, but the guy was like, you know, this is what we experience. <clears throat> and the guy goes, well, why don't you stay in Mexico? Oh. And I'm like, it's 2020, dude. Yes. You're still thinking like that? Yes. And I'm like, why didn't your family stay in Ireland or yes. Germany? Right. It's like, you weren't here first. Uh, just that mentality anyway. It's like, it doesn't matter who is here first or second or third or who isn't even here yet. I'm just like... That mentality is the problem. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, for Portugal. You know, amazing. For, por- for Portuguese, so there are, you know, white people there in, in uh, Maputo mm-hmm. proper. And there is, you know, the guy, I actually got to go on a safari up in South Africa. Oh, no way. So it's totally cool. I mean, I got to see all the, all the animals uh, that you read in books. Sure. But they, he picked me up, just to, to me, just a, a white dude, mm-hmm. but speaks... Portuguese because they still have either they left back in 75 all you know went back to Portugal or they stayed and integrated and so you could still see that balance and that's the same thing kind of like with Native Americans here where we just bullied them out and we bullied them bullied them into these little territories but you know they still have integrated somewhat and yeah they're still you know if we don't talk about it then we don't move forward and so the next generation still Pokes fun. I just saw a headline about some racial <coughs> graffiti out in Leland. I think it was on the ticker this morning. You know, and this is like yeah. you said, twenty twenty. Yeah. So, do you really get as close to the animals as you see, like the videos? Like it was wild. They yes. come up right up to the vehicles. Pretty close. So this was a giant. This is Cougar National Park. I don't even know a thousand square miles. They don't know where the animals are. Right. They can't keep it on radio because of poachers. And so we go in in this Jurassic Park Jeep and follow the, hopefully the safari guy follows his gut and knows where yeah. things are. But there's a ton of deer, 
know, a ton of these antelopes and all these different deer. And then come around the corner and there's these elephants, you know, 20 yards away. Holy crap. Amazing. So oh, elephant, man. so an elephant that you see, you see on TV and see in a book and yeah. you never think, I'm going to see an elephant, yeah. maybe in the zoo. Yeah. Here's one that's alive with the baby 30 yards away. And it was interesting because one, there was one time that the driver pulled around so we could get a better view and the one elephant really wasn't digging it. I think it was, I think he said it was a young male, not quite the adult in charge of the herd or the pack or whatever they call them. It was a little chip on his shoulder. He came back. It was kind of wild. I've got a video. They went into the bush and then he kind of turned around and looked and then did this kind of and did a little stomp. Oh my God. And here I am with the camera, you know, just the the fudgy going, uh oh, this is getting real. And the safari, the leader says, oh, that's because he's a teenager and he yeah. wants to show teen, off a little bit. Teenage, yeah. But mm-hmm. I didn't know that before. I knew after. But seeing giraffes, you know, seeing a giraffe. These yeah, are awesome, these man. giant animals. So really cool. Hippopotamus. We got to see rhinoceros. Oh, wow. Which is, I guess, pretty unique these days because sure, there's yeah. less and less. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why they don't use the radios because... Yeah. Those poachers will come in and find those rhinos pretty quick. There's only did it have its horn or did they cut them? Did no, no, they were both worst on the poachers are the worst. Just the worst some, some of them they all uh, you know I, I know some don't they go out sometimes and the the good guys will go yep. you know yeah um, and cut them off. So I was gonna say euthanize, but anesthetize the uh, the rhino cut and cut off his horn. So then there's no point for the poachers yeah, to it's, kill them. Interesting. No, worthless. I haven't heard that. The animal becomes worthless to the poachers. Yeah, so, yeah, right. That's all they want. Is no, the they're horn. freaking. I can't. Oh, it was amazing. We, I was on, I was doing a video stream with uh, Frankfurt sixth graders, Frankfurt elementary oh, sixth cool. graders, because we're do, kind of oh, doing this exchange. Awesome. And it was hard because the coverage is just wonky out there. Yeah. So here I am, you know, with the phone doing the selfie. Hey everybody! It's kind of cutting out. We're trying to figure out the Skype or whatever we were using, and then they finally get connected. And I turn the phone and they see a giraffe. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and then we're just cruising. Here's you know this. It's kind of like uh, the Lion King, right? Yeah, so you're just yeah, looking right. over this field, and all of a sudden... That's wicked. He's, the driver just slows down, and you see where there's uh, another Jeep opposing that has stopped. So you know something's going on. And we pull up, and there's rhinoceros. So they got to see wow. rhinoceros from Frankfurt, Michigan, through <laughs> oh, the phone. Awesome. They were digging it, yeah. I so wonder, was I. I wonder, I mean, if you... I wonder if what Africans think when they come over here, and we're like, yeah, we got skunks, and... Yeah. Porcupines, wildlife. Like, uh-huh. We have elephants. What? What is this? You know, if squirrels and black squirrels, yes, and gray squirrels. Oh, there's a turkey. Look, <laughs> like the Clinch Park Zoo was still open. Probably <laughs> <laughs> over there. Oh, like, oh, oh guys. Zoo. <laughs> mm. Did you ever go go there? Oh, yeah. yeah. They had like otters and deer and a beaver. <laughs> there was a bear. There was a bear. bear. I think oh, they had, a they had a yeah. caribou or an elk or yeah, something. Yeah, they had elk, I think. Yeah. Well, they did have a mountain lion because when I first moved up here, my girlfriend at the time, her friend's dad was like a caretaker there. And we kind of went behind the scenes, and he led me and my buddies. Like, he's like, all right, wait here. And there was like a chain-link fence with a door behind it. He opens the door, and there's a mountain lion. Jeez. So it's just a chain link fence between them. They did, yep. Sure, so. it wasn't Bobcat? Yeah. Bobcats don't scare me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should, but no. This was, we were just like, Jack. Jack. Yeah, Jack was the guy. Clint Jack, Hart. Yeah, Jack, uh, his daughter was Nikki. I'm trying to remember the mm-hmm. last name. His name was Jack, you right? Yeah. I can't think of his last name mm-hmm. now either. But they have the train. Yep. The train? Oh, yeah, the train. Yeah, the train. Yeah. I kind of thought it would be cool to have that operating again. The train? Well, the zoo, I think. Didn't they tear it all out, though? Isn't it all? Yeah, it's all gone. It's all gone. Now. Totally gone, yeah. yeah. Zoos are just dying. Yeah. And, you know, I, I went to the Pittsburgh Zoo once, and I got a college buddy of mine that lives there, and I was really looking forward to it, and I got there, and then there's this, like, jaguar in a 50 by 50, you know, area. Yeah. And I'm like, eh. I don't know. It's like anymore. Just go on Netflix and watch a BBC. <laughs> There's a place. Good They're enough. making places for the for zoos, you yeah. know. But Traverse City is a little small to have yeah. space for a, yeah. an elk in the 
And and those were those were tiny places. They were really small. Yeah, so I tiny, mean, just concrete. Yeah. So it was great for exposure, but yeah, there's they're they're finding a balance on where there's zoos. Yeah, well, like should be Bush Gardens, Tampa, and then San Diego. That's a whole different style, right? Where it's just essentially they recreate the habitat, and it's way more open, and they allow the animals to mingle, and, and so that I mean, that, to me, that seems like a much better idea, and always better for the animals in general. They have them clinch park. Yeah. <laughs> here's the otter. Here's <laughs> Here, here's the bear. Here, yeah. yeah. I think we went there for a field trip when we were kids, too. Like, that was part of the... <laughs> sure. Go to Sleeping Bear Dunes. Yeah. Oh, we're going to Clinch Park <laughs> Zoo. Right. You know, just one of the things. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Well, I know, Mike, you got a hard out at 11. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um... But uh, thanks for coming back, man. That yeah, good jam with you guys, to, as yeah, always. Good to hear about it. That's really cool. Really yep. yeah. interesting to, to hear yep. about. Absolutely. Benzie guy goes to... Africa. Right? Who would think? You yeah, know, I'm still I'm still good. compiling the the pictures and the video, so I'll be sure to share that with you guys. Right, oh, for yeah. sure. Have yeah, that together. I didn't really plan. I needed better when I traveled. Plan the reflection time and just right. chill versus. Yeah. All right, let's get to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just build that into my my right. schedule. I'm working yeah. on. It. I'm getting there, but it's yeah. not easy. I, the value of our time yeah. comes from work. Yeah. It's not to reflect and enjoy and have fun. Right? Yeah, you, you want to get max- paid for that? No. Yeah. You want to maximize your trip too. You know, and get yeah. everything you could out of it. And yeah, that makes total sense. So yeah, but yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. See yeah, you again. Maybe we'll, right. we can do a remote out uh, at Grow Benzi one time. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you real, that way. real quick. Anything big coming up there? Uh, a new strategic plan that is putting a lot of pieces together. So okay. maybe uh, awesome. next time we we talk, I'll have some good stuff. Nice. Yeah. 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 Oh, and shout out to Kevin, too. Okay. If Kevin's the only one out there emailing. Oh, yeah. Kevin Adams. Uh, Kevin uh, Adams, right. right. Kevin yeah, Kevin. Yeah, man. we got to always say hi to Kevin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come to the show up in, uh, he actually lives in Wasilla, which is oh, okay. Sarah Palin's town. Right on. Just, just oh, outside right. of Anchorage. So, yeah. Hey, Kevin, thanks for emailing in. Appreciate it. Yeah, hey, Kevin. Keep right. the show. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Bye, man. All right, thank you so yep. much. Thanks yep. for coming. See ya. Thanks. All right. <coughs> Grab some candy on your way out. I'm off that shit, man. Are you? No. <laughs> you know what? I Try, stopped, trying to. I stopped yeah. eating that. I was eating like four of them a day. Uh-huh. I stopped eating that stuff, and I swear about a month later, I'd lost five to seven pounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So many empty calories, you know. We had uh, John Sisson worked here for a while, so he's always bringing in the stuff he used to make out at, um, you know, we had the, out in Leland, he had the uh, Sisson's bakery, like the little oh. orange oh. Ba- biscuit oh. things, yeah. or eat, like the most delicious, like, butter sugar cookies. Yeah. Like, how many calories could they have? Well, apparently a lot. Yeah. Like, I finally got found myself control and quit eating them. And yeah. yeah, I dropped like 10 pounds. So Several like, I guess they, uh, I yeah, gained right? in Africa, I gained six pounds. Did you really? Did you? Coca Cola. Oh. So I'm try, I've been trying to watch the sugar, getting yeah. off the sugar. And, you know, they say, well, watch what you're drinking. So I drink a lot of water. I'm opening. Yeah. But we go out to eat. I'm like, I'll have a Coke. Yeah. Well, that turns out two or three a day. And then in the airport on the way back, yeah. get the 20-piece chicken nuggets. Oh, yeah. Overnight, I stayed at the hotel. I got some Uber Eats, like parties or something. I the big bacon burger. I gained six pounds in Africa. My wife's like, only you. Would only you. Would <laughs> All right, man. Thanks All so right. much. See ya.